0: everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe Pasillo, as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go in to the breach on the veritas catholic radio network thirteen fifty on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area we always ask that you download the app at the veritas catholic radio network mobile app most importantly when you have it you can share with your friends. Also, very importantly, you have access to all of our station's content when you have the app, and we know that you're going to value everything, the original programming. And remember, we're an EWTN affiliate, so you get EWTN programming also. Uh, Please follow Joe and I, if you don't mind, on social media, uh, primarily on YouTube at The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. John Grabowski. And we're going to be talking about his new book, Unraveling Gender, which is out by Tan Publishing. You want to talk about going into the breach? Well, you just heard the title of the book, so you know we're going into the breach. Now, many of you out there know Dr. John Grabowski. Uh, Having said that, I do want to give a little bit of a bio. Uh, A native of Wisconsin, Uh, Dr. Grabowski earned his BA in theology at the University of Steubenville and his PhD at Marquette University. For the last 30 years, he's been on the faculty of the Catholic University of America in Washington, DC, Where he is currently ordinary professor of moral theology and ethics. He and his wife were appointed to the Pontifical Council for the Family by Pope Benedict XVI in the fall of 2009, where they served as a member couple. He has served two terms as a theological advisor to the USCCB Committee on Laity, Marriage, Family, and Youth, and one term as an advisor to the subcommittee, which produced the pastoral letter. Marriage, love, and life in the divine plan. That was back in two thousand nine. In two thousand fifteen, he was appointed by Pope Francis to serve as an expert at the Synod of Bishops on the family. Doctor Grabowski has lectured and presented at conferences across the United States. He and his wife Claire are regular guests on Greg and Lisa Popcak's radio show, More to Life, on EWTN. They have five children, six grandchildren, and reside in the Archdiocese of Washington. Dr. John Grabowski, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you guys. It's our pleasure, Doc. So, Joe, with that, I'm going to send it over to you.
1: Doc, we always start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided, inspired by this confidence. We fly into you, a Virgin, a virgin's our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, doc, I'm gonna date myself. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid on channel 11 on a weekend, on a Friday, I would stay up late and I watched the odd couple at 11 o'clock after that was the honeymooners and following the honeymooners was the twilight zone. Zone. We're living in the twilight zone because I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. I really don't. I'm going to be 52 years old and listen, I'm a pretty open-minded guy. I just don't get it. To me, boys are boys and girls are girls. Science says that and God says that. God says that in Genesis. Science says that in the DNA on every single cell. And people are telling us differently. Um, How did this happen? Let's just talk about that. How did this happen? Because that's a basic.
2: Yeah. um, I mean, our confusion started in the Garden of Eden, right? Um, That's where we first started to forget who we are and who God is. Um, but if we fast forward the tape a little bit and get a little closer to home, how did this specific confusion over sex difference or gender start? I think mm-hmm. one of the one of the most important recent roots of it is when we as a society um, went to uh, turn to contraception on a huge scale to try to, um, uh, quote unquote, plan our families. What, contras- what contraception has done for- to us in the late 20th century and now into the 21st century is it has taken what had been a single thing that people got married, they ha- they engaged in sexual intercourse with their husband, wife, and they had children, right? It's one thing. You get married, you have children. We call it family. Contraception has cut the ties between those three things because contraception says you can have sex without having to get married. You can get married and have a childless marriage if you want. And now with assisted reproductive technologies, you can have children without getting married or having sex. You can have them in a laboratory. So without that, if you will, anchor, to the blessing of children, which is the first blessing that God speaks to us of in scripture, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Without that blessing, suddenly the meaning of our sexually differentiated bodies, it goes out of focus. We have no idea what does it matter, right? Which is which is what gives us same-sex marriage, which is what gives us our current cultural confusion right now because if, being male or female doesn't matter in who you have sex with or why,
1: well then, you know, why not? Well you know I I agree with everything you just said. I just want to add something and I think yeah, you'll please. you'll be shocked at it. Well actually you probably won't be. Um just yesterday I'm picking up my kids at a Catholic grammar school. I'm talking to this woman um on the way. She's a grandmother picking up her granddaughter. And she's telling me she's she I have five children too, young. And she's like how do you do this? Like how do you do this? And I'm like, she's like, my great grandmother had 15 kids. And she's like, but times have changed. And I, you know, I kind of made a joke. I was just like, well, I trust God. I don't trust me. You know, I just kind of made like a joke of it. But why I bring that up is Catholics and, and she's Catholic. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, you know, I'm not going to make a judgment on how Catholic she is. And I'm not going to because I don't really know her. But the point is, they've bought it. This is that going to like everyone has bought the idea. That's kind of what I'm kind of getting at. Catholics, non-Catholics, Catholics contracept. Let's be honest. They clearly do. Very small percentage don't. Right? Everyone has bought it. And they've succeeded. They've conquered the West. You know, and and frankly I don't know how we kind of get the horse back in the barn, John. I'm going to be honest with you outside of God. And I've said this to Joe on many of our social, and we talk about this a lot. I simply don't know how you get that horse back in the barn.
0: John, your, your, your comments on that,
2: John. No, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think we, we don't uh, change the direction of our culture without God. We don't change it without evangelization, right? Because, Again, without knowing God, we don't know who we are and what we're for. We don't know what our bodies are for. We don't know what sex is for. Um, so you're right. We've the West, the United States, Europe has bought this this kind of um, uh, view, hook, line, and sinker. And and again, there's there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, the Industrial Revolution. Once you take work outside of the home. Um, then within a generation or two, people stop thinking about children as a gift from God, and they start thinking about them as another mouth to feed, as another as another bill set of bills to pay. Which is how right. people in our society think about kids. Which is why that grandma said to you, Joe, how do you do it? I mean, that's just five kids. That's insane. We we got the same kind of comments.
0: The, John Grabowski is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. You know what upsets me about the story that Joe just told more than anything else? Is that the woman says times have changed. Right, right. Times have changed. You're trying to make it seem like for the better. That grandmother had 15 kids with a lot less money. We have a lot more money, and you want to have two kids, if that. So spare yeah. me the BS, times have change. You're just selfish. We're a selfish people, and nobody, John Grabowski, wants to confront that part of American culture right now. We are a selfish people.
2: Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. I, I think it was Flannery O'Connor who said, you know, the truth doesn't cease to be true just because we lose a, our taste for it. And so, yeah, times have changed, but the truth hasn't. Yeah. We're starting to made so- the way so- God wanted to make us.
0: Sorry, I get so angry about no, that uh, listen. That, it listen that attitude that attitude really bothers me because I'm I'm tired of hearing people say, wow, how is it that our grandparents did it? like that's why they actually look at the world through a Catholic lens and lived that way. It's called generosity and trust in God's providence. Right. As Joe said, it's not a child is not another mouth to feed. A child is a gift. I wish we could get back to that. But like you said, John, I'm going to hand it back over to Joe. That's going to require not an act of Congress, not a, not a decision from the Supreme court, even though those things can at some on some level be helpful. Ultimately it's going to be people turning back to God, Joe
1: Racinello. Well, obviously we're talking about another cultural revolution when it comes to gender. Um, You know, Is this just a fad is is I sometimes wonder or or is this going to continue to progress, particularly around the gender thing? You see it on LinkedIn. People put like he, she, their pronouns. Uh, You see it in the corporate sphere in emails. People will put in their titles. I mean, is this just a fad or is this here in your view? Is it here to stay?
2: Um, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. So I hope it's a fad. I hope that people will wake up. And when they realize that we're mutilating children and we're performing chemical and surgical experiments on children um, with these transitioning procedures, that they're going to be horrified um, and and pull back and rethink some of this. But I don't know that that's how this is going to go. I mean, I, I think if this ideology continues to spread and grow, this is potentially civilization ending, right? Because this will destroy the family. This will undermine the family, which is the basis of our society. It's the basis of the church. Um, So people people need to wake up and see what's actually at stake here because what's at stake is the culture as we know it. And human life as we know it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's something that we're going to have to not have rose-colored glasses about. That's something we're going to have to confront, particularly as Catholics. We see what's going on now, okay. And yes, we're not we're not crying. Oh, woe is us. Uh, I mean, Catholics have been persecuted for the last two thousand years. Joe and I try to say on the show all the time. What do you think? It can't happen in America. It's happening now. It, it, it's beginning to with this leak, okay. Um, from the Supreme Court, you're seeing threats of violence. There was a credible credible threat the other day uh, from Homeland... Now, Rod Dreyer reported this in the American Conservative, okay, said Homeland Security told the bishops to be watch out for violence. The, it, the night that this decision, if it goes, it goes where Roe versus Wade is overturned, I mean, this is real. This is real. And like you said, John, Listen. If you value, if something like that happens, there's violence in the streets. Whatever the catalyst is, okay? Yeah, yeah. What, 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 what's what? Unwritten rule is there that America is the new Roman Empire is going to last a thousand years? America's been around 230 years. Can end like that? People need to get it through their head. Hopefully, they do. Um, I want to ask a question. If you don't mind, John Grabowski, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Priscilla, Joe Rossinolo. This conversation gets us in the breach because we're discussing Dr. John Grabowski's new book, Unraveling Gender. And that is uh, available at Tan Books. Tan, uh, uh, again, we emphasize everybody buy the book from the publisher. We need to support our Catholic authors and those who publish those Catholic authors. Okay. Forget about Amazon, go to the publisher. Okay, the book is not being sold directly on Amazon. Music uh, to our ears, John. Music, we love it.
2: The publisher doesn't think Amazon will continue to sell it, so every now and then it
0: pops up on Amazon, but those are third party sellers. All right, well, that's good to hear. So now go on Tan Publishing, Tan Books, and go buy the book. Now, let's talk about it. now. Again, there's certain things I know I got a little animated earlier. There are things you know, sub. Uh, topics under the in these things that really, really rub you the wrong way. Okay. One of them is if I hear the word science one more time, I think my brains are going to explode. Okay. Um, Richard Levine, the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, got up there and told, I think it was Josh Hawley or one of the senators, well, the science is evolving on this, Senator. Uh, Richard Levine is. "Quote unquote transgendered as a man who believes he's a woman, um, and goes by Rachel. His given name is Richard, um, and says the science is evolving. That's such a blatant lie, Dr. Drunkabowski. We all know that. Okay, there is no science behind this. Okay, can you either agree with me or not? Uh, but but get into this 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 idea of whether or not science backs up all the all of this gender ideology."
2: Science doesn't. The science on which it's based um, was a series of horrible and failed um, experimental uh, practices by a guy named John Money, a guy from New Zealand who was a psychologist and a sexologist at Hopkins, who basically said, we can... Socialize people into a gender. We don't need. It's it's just all a construct anyway, and we can do this psychologically. His most famous case: um, he had a twin boys, one of whom had suffered a botched circumcision as an infant. David Reimers, um, and Money said that's no problem. We'll just raise him as a girl. So he tried to socialize this boy into, no, you're a girl, and actually had these twins role play their genders, including sexually abusing one another. Um, So his methods were horrible, they're horrific. This is child abuse in the worst form, and he's widely discredited. But if you trace all of the science, quote unquote, of gender back, money is always at the beginning. So literally follow the money here because his is the work on which this is based. But all the more recent science tells us that, in fact, people who go through these transitioning procedures, who go through the cross-sex hormonal therapy, go through surgical transitioning to make their bodies look like the other sex, doesn't change their biological sex, right? Not genetically. Um, They'll have to stay on cross-sex hormones their whole life, so their bodies are fighting against this change. Um, People who go through these procedures continue to suffer from, (laughs) we're just learning about some of the long-term physiological effects, but the psychological problems don't go away. The rate of suicide among people who have fully transitioned is 19 times higher than people who have not in this is in trans accepting countries like Scandinavia so how is that good evidence-based medicine it's
0: not it's not we're, we're not helping people we're harming them and you yeah. know and I want to hand it over to Joe but I want to just emphasize to the audience one thing when people tell you that these people are experiencing uh depression and guilt because of the big bad Catholic Church I want to emphasize John's point here. John Grabowski joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. In, an, in, in a quote unquote open society like Sweden, the suicide rate is exactly the same. In a place where transgenders and homosexuals and lesbians and the whole nine yards are, are, are embraced, the suicide rate and the rate, rates of depression are exactly the same. So don't blame us. Because we're actually loving these people because we're telling them the truth. Joe Resinello, I cut you off. Well,
1: I just want to uh, piggyback on that. The countries that have, uh, because I've done some reading on it myself, the countries that have um, used this type of ideology in the past are now backing away from it. France, Scandinavia, because they're seeing the effects after, say, two and three decades. And now we're joining in in the game. We're a little late. If people actually read those studies, they'll see that those countries are now stepping back from it, particularly with children. But with regard to what you're saying is, again, it gets twisted. They say it's society that's pressuring them. That's why they're committing suicide. Actually, that's not the case. And I'll tell you again, I've done a little reading. It's because The change doesn't meet their expectation. You see, that's what is the underlying depression. You change the wrapping paper, but it doesn't meet the expectation. It's like Christmas. When you go to Christmas, you open up the gifts and then the gifts are open. And then you're like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's it. There's nothing more to it. If, If you look at it purely from a secular perspective, Christmas. And it doesn't change the reality of who you really are. And and comment on that, because I think you can't. This is such a grave travesty, to be honest with you. It's so sad, particularly with kids. You can't change who you are. Talk about not meeting that expectation, because I think that's the driver with the suicide rate.
2: I think you're completely right. I would add one thing, though. It's it's not just not meeting the expectations, it's not addressing the real problem or real issues. Gender dysphoria is caught, it's a psychological issue that should be addressed psychologically, right? Through uh, therapy to help, pe- it's a fo- um, it's people who study studied this, uh, scientists will say, <laughs> who aren't uh, swept away by the ideology or afraid to speak up will say, this is a form of body dysmorphic disorder. It's, it's related to something like anorexia. Someone has a false view of their body. Um, the anorexic, who is real thin, is convinced that they're fat, right? We don't help that person by giving them appetite suppressants and liposuction, right? We help that person by giving them appropriate psychological intervention and therapy to help them work through those issues and accept their body as it is. Same is true for someone struggling with the pain of gender dysphoria. We don't help them by proposing a harsh medical solution, uh, chemical and surgical, to a psychological problem. We are really putting a square peg in a wrong hole, which is why people who go through these procedures are still unhappy, still struggling, still don't feel right in their own skin. And if you listen to stories of people who have detransitioned who've gone through all the transitioning procedures destroyed their fertility in the process but then said you know what this did not this is not what i was looking for this did not meet my expectations so they as best they can try to put the pieces of humpty dumpty back together and they return their body as close as they can to its original state because they've come to realize that this this kind of therapy is not the solution to this particular set of
0: problems or challenges. Dr. John Grabowski, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, I want to take that, what you just said, one step further. They do come to that realization, but here's the thing, and this has been shown, again, by many people who have uh, detransitioned, okay? They also say that they were lied to, that they were lied to. Walt Heyer, who's probably the spokesman for detransitioning, okay he's out there all over the place he came to jesus he's not i don't think he's in the catholic church uh but he is definitely a believer all right understands uh he was told by by the doctor who recommended the surgery that or or he told the 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 quote-unquote doctor i hesitate to call these people doctor um he uh told the doctor that my grandmother when i was four years old dressed me up in girls clothes and the doctor said that's got nothing to do with it and you're a doctor you have, a, you have a certificate on your wall, and you're going to say that a four-year-old child getting dressed as a a boy, being dressed up as a girl by their grandmother, is not going to have an effect on them in, in adulthood? There's a young girl in Canada, got, uh, got a mastectomy at 17, uh, 17 years old. She's 23 now. She regrets it. She goes, they didn't tell me the truth. Right. They didn't tell me the truth. Comment on the lies, Okay. Uh, Dr. Gabowski, if you will, because that's important to expose the lies. It's one of the things we do here at the front line with Joe and Joe. I, I mean, I completely agree. And just to uh, let me let me
2: give one piece of context and then speak directly to your question. A couple of decades ago, the primary people showing up at gender clinics for transitioning were middle-aged men, right? Because they were, you know, I'm unhappy with my life, so I'll go have a midlife crisis. Oh, I know, I'll go make myself look like a woman. Right. This is a way to kind of address the unhappiness that I feel today. Most of the people showing up at gender clinics are young people, primarily young women who come across this set of ideas, this ideology, which promises them, you know what, we can fix all of your problems. We can address every issue, every every time you've ever felt uncomfortable in your own skin, we can fix all of that. All you have to do is go through these steps of social transitioning and then, um, if if they're pre-adolescent, puberty blockers, and then cross-sex hormones, and then these radical surgeries, and it's going to fix all of it, and someone who drinks that Kool-Aid is then going to believe that here, this is going to address and meet all of my deepest needs. And they go through all this and they reconfigure their bodies and do all of this kind of experimental um, uh, mutilation of their bodies. And then guess what? They still are struggling with the same pain and the same issues because that's what- a medical solution to a psychological problem doesn't
0: work. John, and that's why it's it's so important for men like us, Catholic men, to to get out there in the public arena, in the public square and say these things and not be cowards about it. Because at the end of the day, listen, John, let's just call it the way it is. If another, if if the 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 children of, of another couple, okay, outside of my family transitions, okay, it could have a societal effect, but leaving that aside for a second, I could just turn around and say, I don't care. Most people do, by the way, I think, okay, in America. Say, I don't care. No, we care enough because we don't want to see your life destroyed. And I think that's why it's important for men like us to get out there. Yes. In the breach. OK. And make these things. No, not enforce a debate. If that, even though there should never be a debate, like Joe said earlier, we're from Jersey. I don't need a debate on this. But if you want to entertain a debate, get in the public arena. OK. And then then stand firm on your position that you say is Rock solid, John Grabowski. We probably I want to get to one more question before the break. We probably have a few minutes, so with that, at the front line with Joe and Joe, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Ressinello.
1: Well, we recently had a Supreme Court justice uh, nominated to the bench, Justice Brown, um, Harvard educated, um, obviously a very intelligent person. I mean, let's be honest; you don't go through that type of education. And she was asked very directly, "What is a woman?" And she said, "What do you mean by that?" Once again. I went to Harvard on the Hudson. I don't get that. I don't get it. Like, well, that is a basic question. And the reason, she knows the answer. Of course. She can't say it. And this is what I'm getting to. Social media, corporate America, the media, they're the language police. You can't say this. If she said, well, a woman, you know, it's its in your DNA. It's on your cell, uh, you know a woman does not have a penis. A woman has a vagina. I mean, this is set, you know, I mean, this is basic, basic, basic stuff. You know what I'm saying? She can't say that. Talk about that. We can't say this. You're like, as basic of a, of a conversation as we're having right now, you can't say.
0: Joe, I want to hand it. I want to hand that question to John real quick. John, we only have a couple minutes. I also want to just say also, that matt walsh's new movie documentary what is a woman the night it premiered and everybody was waiting to watch it the crazies crashed the website in other words the hackers got in there and again lies hiding the truth they don't want anybody to ask these questions i just wanted to say that john i'm handing it over to you we have about probably a minute or so before minute and a half before the break So so yeah, I mean, it's amazing that we, you said
2: at the beginning that we're kind of living the twilight zone right now. And I think that's true because since when did basic biological reality become offensive? But that's where we are. We are offended by our bodies. We are offended by reality. And so we can't speak it because then we are transphobic or we are, um, so we have all this Uh, pressure brought to bear on people who either are pointing to the basic truths of scripture or the basic facts of human biology, because now that's, that's beyond the pale, that's offensive, because it offends someone who thinks that their gender, their sense of self, is unrelated to their body and its sex.
0: Well, the funny thing or the sad thing is, all right, well, then you can't function in an open society. All right. A a society like ours, where supposedly you have a right to debate these things and a free expression of your ideas and freedom of speech. Then you're going to have a hard time in that society if you you think you have a right not to be offended. Hell, they offend us all the time. Okay, Roman Catholic men, we're in the crosshairs. Okay, all the time. Bring it on what do we care we can defend our faith john let's take a break this is a great conversation we're talking about unraveling gender that's uh dr john Grabowski's new book available at tan publishing stick around all right uh we have another segment with john Grabowski. you don't want to go anywhere catholic radio works and now we have it here in connecticut and new york it's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization where there's catholic radio the folks who listen Deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Priscillo and Joe Resinello. We are way, way, way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're having a fascinating conversation with Dr. John Grabowski, and we are discussing unraveling gender. That is his new book that's available at Tan Publishing. And we emphasize to everyone: well, it's not even available, according to John, uh, on Amazon. And we'd encourage you not to go there anywhere. Go to Tan. Uh, And by the book. All right, because we need to know the truth of these things. We need to be armed with the truth and people like Dr. John Grabowski are giving us the ammunition we need with that I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello.
1: John, I want to talk a little bit about the church. Um, You know, obviously, you know. The bishops are shepherds they're the teaching head of their diocese i always say um the shepherd has the crozier that's the fancy word i call it the stick and the stick has to fight off the wolves that's your job just like a dad you have five kids joe has a foster son i have five kids my job is to make sure bad things don't come into my house whether it's on television, whether it's ideas, whatever, that's my job and God will hold me accountable for that. That's my vocation. Well, bishops have a vocation. We have to defend the flock. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm not gonna pick names. I think we could do a better job of it. I think there was a time in the production code, I'll go back to Hollywood where the bishops held a standard. They said, Hollywood will not, Put these type of movies or I will tell my flock that they are not to go. We're not doing that enough, John. And it's not about being hateful. It's about this is damaging. People, many of these people, frankly, they don't read encyclicals, the people in the pews. They're not reading like they go to church and many of them are, 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 are simply, you know, they're simple. Many of the people who go to church, not everybody is, is reading, you know, the catechism. I don't see it. And, and, and I think we have to get more involved from the pulpit. What are your thoughts on that? Couldn't agree more um,
2: from the pulpit and from the diocese. Um, You know, the, If we just look at what scripture tells us about what it means to be a father, to be a father, some of the basic things to which scripture points us, we are called to work and provide. And most men get that and it's like, okay, yep. We're called to guard what God has entrusted to us. Adam in Genesis 2.15 is placed in the garden to guard and keep it, right? Um, We are called as men, to guard that which God entrusts to us, and we're called to teach. Both the Old and the New Testament use the term father and teacher interchangeably. And this is true whether we're talking about spiritual fathers like bishops and priests, or men who are the fathers who are the bishops, according to St. Augustine, of their own families. We are called to do those things, not just to work to provide for our families, but to guard, to to protect our family from predators. There was just a study that was done this year that found in two parent families, families which have a mother and a father in the home in the United States who have school-aged children, the average child spends 30 minutes per week in one-on-one conversation with his father or her father, whereas that same child will spend 40 hours in that same week on social media, on the computer, watching TV, listening to music, absorbing all kinds of other things. So who's forming that child? Who's guarding that child, right? And then to teach, right? We're, we're called to the When we bring our kids to the church to have them baptized, the church says, you are the first teachers of your children in the faith. May you be the best of teachers. So Our bishops are called to be spiritual fathers. They are called to guard and to teach. And yes, they could do a better job here because what we've been hearing from the church is warnings about gender ideology, but not a lot beyond that. One of the reasons why I wrote this book is because when I went to the 2015 Synod, I had bishops coming up to me and saying, We need more. We need more to be able to teach people in our diocese to to be able to guide our priests in terms of how do we respond to this craziness. So John, yeah, as as men in our families, as pastors of parishes, as bishops of dioceses, we need to step up.
0: Dr. John Grabowski joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. we are in the breach unraveling gender that is Dr. John Grabowski's new book and that's available at Tam Publishing. Uh, I'd like to make a suggestion, okay. Um, And I don't care if it sounds a bit harsh. Yes, the bishops need to teach. But those same bishops that are coming up to you, John, um, and they're and they're saying we need more. Well, I could tell you something you could do right off the bat. That's pretty easy. Get a hold of the the head of the the Jesuit order and shut down Father James Martin. And I'm not going to beat him up. He is a priest, a Catholic priest of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not going to beat him up. I'm not. Joe and I don't do that, John. Okay, but he needs to be shut down. He says things that are outright lies, and he also, he, he also is offensive. We, Joe and I covered it last week on our social media show. He's offensive, all right, because he thinks that number, he thinks that because we support church teaching, okay, on sexual morality in general, and this issue in particular, that somehow we need to learn something that we're lacking in some way. He's very uncharitable, okay, towards people who disagree with him, and he's very ambiguous many times, okay? As Joe likes to point out on the show, he's a very, very intelligent man. Okay, I think he needs to be shut down by the bishops. That would be a really good start, if you ask me. I don't disagree. I think um, what
2: Father Martin is unfortunately very good at is always giving half of the truth of what the church says in these areas. Right. But when you only give half the truth, what are you giving people? you're giving them half truths. You're not giving them the full truth. So yes, we need to treat people who have gender dysphoria or same-sex attraction with compassion, respect, and sensitivity, like the catechism says. Absolutely true. However, those same people are also called to chastity and a life of holiness and virtue, like we all are. So when you only say the first part and not the second, you are giving a very distorted picture. Of what the church actually says.
1: That's right. John, There's no doubt
0: about over. that. John, I'm Joe, I'm gonna hand it over to Joe Rasinello. All right, we want to keep the conversation moving. Uh, but I would say this one of the things that irks me more than anything is that I don't exempt myself from the moral and the natural law, nor do you, nor does Joe Rasinello. Okay, I'm held to the moral and natural law just like anybody else. I don't have the pride, the level of pride it takes to exempt myself from the moral law. So I think, an, I think pride is an appropriate name for that movement because I'm not that proud that I'm gonna say, oh, oh, oh what, what, what you do is sinful. You're intolerant, you're a bigot, you're this, you're that, you're an adulterer, you're a thief, you withhold wages from your employees, okay? But I, I'm not a sinner. Strikes me that that, that seems to be what's going on. Yeah.
2: It's not accidental that pride is always listed first among the deadly sins. Absolutely. Joe Racinello.
1: Well, I I want to use the the word tolerance. I think that's, I think we're we're confusing things. Um, You know, you, you know, you could use some, you know, clergy, even people in the pews are equally as guilty. You know, they have these ideas of being tolerant, like, oh, that's, that's okay. You know, or they'll get it. Eventually this false idea of accompaniment. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He was charitable, but he was truthful. And we're missing that. And I'll be honest with you. I want you to first address the tolerance idea. Secondly, I think people are afraid to speak clearly because they want to, I always use the, they want to get invited to the barbecue. That's from the bishop down to the the people in the pew. And when you start talking in clear, even if it's charitable, people don't like you. They don't like you. And we're, we're afraid of that. As you know, and that's not good. Talk about that because I think that's at the root of it. And then I want to get into a third part of this, which is basically, John, this is the spirit of Vatican II, and it hasn't worked. We've we talked to a lot of people. It doesn't work. It's been six decades. This doesn't work and it comes down to this. Get them in. They'll figure it out while they're in the door. It hasn't worked, guys. It hasn't worked. You're right, Joe. You're, you're absolutely right. So, I, I mean, I don't know what else show. to say. It doesn't work. Talk right. about that, because I don't think people want to hear it or say it, but it's- and I-
0: and I, and I would just say, John, along the lines of tolerance, yeah, I, I, my question would have been similar to Joe's, but are there limits to tolerance? Tolerance is a good thing, but there has to be limits. We're going to hand it over to Dr. John, John Grabowski, joining us to the front line with Joe and Joe. So I think it was G.K.
2: Chesterton who said, tolerance is the virtue of the man without convictions, right? It's, if I don't believe anything, then I'm just going to tolerate anything. Um, but In fact, the tolerance that we hear preached around us today is anything but tolerant. It is, in fact, very intolerant of any idea or thought that disagrees with it, which is why people who speak up and people who say, as we were discussing earlier, people who point to the basic facts of biology or the basic truths that we find in scripture or church teaching are shouted down and as, you know, transphobic or homophobic or bigoted or something, right, or they're canceled, they suffer some kind of, you know, a mob attack on social media or something, or even lose their jobs, because, well, we can't allow this kind of speech because it's hate. So how is that tolerant? Tolerance, I mean, in a in a classical liberal democratic sense, tolerance means you have a a a, a, an exchange of different views, a civil exchange of different views. You have a debate. Well, the side that's preaching tolerance is not interested in debate. They're interested in only uh, getting their account out. They're promoting and again promoting an ideology. Um, so yeah, <sighs> that uh, tolerance it's a it's a buzzword, but for a for a Christian tolerance. <laughs> if if we want to think of tolerance as a good thing, as some tolerance is just one manifestation of charity, but charity is always grounded in truths. There's no charity without truth, without the truth about the human person, without the truth about who we are, the truth about how God made us. So when we lose sight of that, when it just becomes love is love, oh, we have to love everyone. Well, no, yes, we 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 do have to love everyone, but we have to love them in a way that respects the truth of who they are as creatures and sons and daughters of God, not as a a self-chosen reality that they that they articulate for themselves by uh ad- adopting a, adopting something like gender ideology.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dr. John Grabowski joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosanello. We are way in the breach. Unraveling Gender is the book um, available at Tam Publishing. So, John, just to move right into it, because uh, Joe asked you, we interviewed, we interviewed a number of people. I could think particularly uh, Robbie George from Princeton, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Ralph Martin. Okay, they make the same argument. I've heard the argument, and I'm convinced by the argument. The documents of Vatican II are not only valid, they're beautiful. Okay, but the spirit of Vatican II. This so-called spirit, um, it represents a hijacking of Vatican II. Hijacking was the word that Robbie George used, right? Okay? It's not just me or Joe Rasinello. Talk about what Joe said. It ain't
1: working. Well, you know, and 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 it's been hijacked, and it ain't working. Right. But let me just add some color around like the pride masses. Like, like uh, you know, what does work is courage, the the organization courage that works, that's in full alignment to the spirit to the church's teaching to vatican two to everything it seems like that's not promoted and what is promoted is this idea of a pride mask what is that i don't even know what it is to be completely honest the with day you joe about oh, so- oh, no. oh yeah.
0: As soon as he goes, but go ahead, John. If you comment sure,
2: on that, sure. Um, so the whole debate over the Second Vatican Council, Pope um, Benedict actually, I think, was the first one who really uh, articulated this really clearly. The whole appeal to the spirit of Vatican II, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an absolute misnomer, and what it does say. Well, basically we can justify anything and we can read um, our current social mores back into the teaching of the council. Um, but and, and say they're in accord with its spirit because the council didn't actually say this, but they they would if they could have said so they were where they were heading. But Pope Benedict says, no, we have to teach based on what the texts actually say. And what, and he called it a hermeneutic of reform and renewal. Return And what Vatican II does beautifully is take the questions of the modern world, late 20th century, and return to the sources of the faith, return to scripture, to the liturgy, and look at those questions through the very sources of our faith, not can we can we justify you know the, the the sexual revolution by appealing somehow to the spirit of Vatican II? And it's it's yeah uh, I mean Pope Benedict I think really for those who were, those of us who were listening really put this to rest. But now I think what we're starting to hear, and this starts to get to the question of pride masses, is we're starting to hear something similar with the spirit of Amoris Laetitia. I'm hearing theologians say, ah, well, Amoris Laetitia kind of opens the way to rethink the whole of the Church's moral teaching. But again, if we actually go and read the text, Amoris Laetitia repeats what John Paul II says. It repeats what Pope Paul VI said in Humana Vitae. it's not there, but it's the same move that we saw in the 1970s and 80s, right? It's, it's the spirit of what's outlined, not what the text actually says.
1: It's funny you say that because I read that chapter eight and the footnote. I read it twice in case I missed it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't say what they say it says. I read it two times. And here's the thing. What we don't have, though, is clarity. And what we don't have, you see, if I run something, I I come from a corporate structure. My managing director is very clear. And what's also very clear, John, if I don't do it, I'm out real fast. I'm just telling you, that's how I live and pay my bills. I don't understand that. I can't wrap my arms around it, that the church has a hierarchy and a structure. And if I am running something, and there's some type of misunderstanding, I'm calling everyone in the conference room. I'm going to be like, guys, listen, I know there's some confusion out there regarding what you think I said. This is what I said. This is what it is. And then, John, if you're under me and you're doing something wrong and you continue to do it, I have to replace you because you're undermining the teaching of the church and it doesn't go on.
2: And what are the basic duties of a father, whether a natural father or a spiritual father to guard and protect and to teach as well as provide? So, yeah, that's that's what we need from our bishops. That's what we need from the Holy Father. Um, I, I do, I want to say one thing on behalf of Pope Francis, going back to what we talked about earlier. I think people, people make, uh, uh, one thing people miss, especially people who are kind of pushing this whole spirit of Amoris Morris Letizia narrative, is that, yes, Pope Francis is emphatic that we need to, uh, when we're dealing with people, what people need to see when they encounter us is the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, so I they agree. Need to hear the t- an invitation to mercy and an invitation to life. But when Pope Francis is dealing with ideas, like Gnosticism, which is at the root of our 21st century gender ideology, look at his exhortation on the call to holiness, Gaudete Exultate. He has like 12 sections, dealing with the dangers of modern gnosticism he's he talks about the, dan- the 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 errors of this heresy the dangers of it as trying to kind of achieve sal- salvation with your mind think your way to salvation and he has another section on contemporary pelagianism the idea that we can will our way to salvation when pope francis is confronting errors he is clear as crystal and, and again, he pulls no punches. So, people, but what people do is they say, well, Francis, we need to love and we need to not weaponize the teaching of the church. That is when we are dealing with another human being who are called first and foremost to love and to. Love. And dealing with ideas that are dangerous and offer a false road to human flourishing, like gender ideology. We are called to pull no punches and expose this as false and dangerous and a a path to
0: human failure, not flourishing. And that and I think that's the important distinction. Dr. John, John Grabowski, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing his new book. I wish we could go on for hours, John. We probably have about another eight minutes or so. The book is Unraveling Gender, and that's available at TAM Publishing. I'm with Joe. I mean, I, I look at it this way. The church on that level is not unlike many other organizations. In fact, Pope Francis, at the end of the day, does not have a board of directors. If he says something, okay, it goes. Okay, he can replace a cardinal, he can make a new one, he can can replace a bishop. I personally don't understand, and I'm sorry. I think some people, um, I'm tolerant, let's say, of Father James Martin, even though I'm critical. I am completely intolerant of the German bishops. And, and along the lines of what Joe was saying, okay, um, I'm utterly confused. I am like, you know, I'm Italian, I want to say, hey, Papa, you know, talking about Pope Francis. Papa, can you straighten them out, please? Because they're bleeding, they're, they're now they're blatant, whereas Father James Martin sometimes is ambiguous. The German bishops, many of them are being blatant, saying we want we want the catechism to change on this. Period. Exclamation point. Why doesn't he do that? Or or, or like or what is the rationale to say this synodal? Go ahead, John. I I mean, Pope Francis has said
2: some pretty clear and direct things about the what's going on in Germany. At at one point, he said, listen, we don't need another Protestant church in Germany. We already did that. Right. So we don't. So why, why are the Catholic bishops trying to kind of go down that same path? He's absolutely right. I think what Pope Francis is afraid of, and we need to pray for him and pray for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and for courage here, um, is he doesn't want to provoke an an actual schism. But in point of fact, what we have is a de facto schism, a schism that has not been clearly declared or manifest, but he doesn't want to make that a public split in the church and a rupture.
0: Right. Yeah. So know it's, again, John, I'm not I'm not trying to say that there's an easy solution, but sometimes you have to say, well, you know what? You are the boss. And and if you want to, at some point, you could drop the hammer. We only have a few minutes left. We're in the breach with Dr. John Grabowski. We're discussing his new book, Unraveling Gender. Joe we probably have about six minutes or so left. Let's see what we could do.
1: Dr. John, you talk in the book that you say that this is a different kind of war and there needs to be different kinds of weapons used. What do you mean by that? I think that ultimately,
2: at the end of the day, our fight against something like gender ideology, this is part of a spiritual battle, right? We're not fighting against human beings, even the most strident promoters of this ideology. Those are still people made in the image and likeness of God who are loved by God. God desires their fulfillment and communion with him for all eternity and flourishing. This is a set of ideas that is Frankly, it's demonic in origin. Cardinal Sarah said the gender ideology is a Luciferian deception. Um, I think that's that's identifying this head on. So if that's truth, if 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 that's the deepest root of this ideology, then we've got to fight it with spiritual weapons. We've got to fight it with the weapons of truth, with the weapons of charity, with the weapon of the gospel, right? Because this isn't yes. We're going to have to fight it in the public square and in the public sphere through political action and political discussion and debate. But really, at the end of the day, going back to something we talked about earlier, the way we get the culture back, the way we get the horse back in the barn is through evangelization you know really i, I would ahead. agree
1: i mean ultimately it comes from i think holiness i i agree with you 100% but with that said i think a lot of us all of us myself included catholics have to speak up we we have to be willing to not get invited to the barbecue we honest to god like and you don't have to say it like like a crazy person you just but you do have to say it you see we're afraid We simply, from the top down, God, listen, God always has your back and he'll always defend you, especially when you sit on the truth. He always will. I actually think it's a lack of faith in God. That's my thing. We have nothing to fear, nothing. Christ has your back. If you're standing on church doctrine and truth, and you say things with kindness, but you say it, whether you're the Pope or whether you're me, God has your back. It's a lack of faith. We shouldn't fear saying that you just say it this is what it is and if you don't want me at the barbecue listen i'll make my own barbecue with my wife i'll go in the backyard i'll have a hamburger and i'll have a beer by myself with
0: my wife and my kids i barbecue with joris at all because he's my brother-in-law i'm in arizona now so i miss those barbecues in the summertime but i will tell you this he cooks a mean steak. There, there you go. go. Yeah, and John, you could come comment. on. <laughs> John, comment on that if you don't mind. I, no, I mean I, I think
2: that's true. We're 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 beholden to the opinion of others, and so we hold back and we don't speak. Um and that that thwarts us in our Christian mission of evangelization, but it thwarts us in terms of engaging in the public life of a democracy. Free speech is not a given free speech is like a muscle if you don't use it you lose it and we're not using it so we are progressively losing it because one the 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 corporations the technology corporations other things are squelching uh part of the conversation that they find offensive so we need to as you say we need to be willing to speak we need to be willing to speak up even though that can have repercussions um, in our relationships with others. Speaking the truth in love, it's what we're called to do 24/7.
0: Right, and and the thing is, I, I, I'll, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, Joe made a good point. And if you're not, and if you're not at least trying and striving to live a life of personal holiness, um, I think you're going. I think you're going to fail. Because we really have to try. And again, none of us are walking on water, Doctor John Grabowski. Okay, we all go to confession because we need it. We're sinners. But the but people see us. Sorrowful for our sins, striving to live a better life, taking care of our wives, taking care of our children. All right, that's what I think will convince people. I love your final comments in the last minute or so. You mentioned the politics, getting out there in the political arena. I dare say that the men at Lepanto would have lost had they not prayed to Our Lady before that battle. Okay. And they won that battle. If you think you're getting out into the political arena, especially as Catholics, and you're not living a prayerful life, if you're not praying, all right, and strengthening yourself to get before you get out there, you're toast. John, your comments on that. We have one minute. Yeah. I mean, Sister Lucia was told by Our Lady at Fatima that the last battle
2: would be over the family, right? Well, if you can eliminate sexual difference, you've eliminated the family. It's game set, game set and match, right? So yeah, this is, this is the battle of our time. This is the battle we're called to fight, but we have to fight it with spiritual weapons. We have to fight it with humility, with love, with trying to grow in holiness ourselves. But as Joe said, well, being willing to speak the truth, um, always in love, but to speak the truth.
0: Absolutely. Dr. John Grabowski, thank you for joining us at The Frontline with Joe and Joe. I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to have you back. <laughs> Love to join you guys. Absolutely. Dr. John Grabowski, go out and go, go buy his new book from the publisher, Tan Publishing. The book is called Unraveling uh, Gender. Dr. John Grabowski is the author. We want to thank him for joining us joining us here at the Frontline. And thank you for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so you have access to all of our station's content. And please support Joe and I on social media at the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.